Now, of course, a lot of flack in the media at the moment mm. uh, regarding this whole herbal part and, you know, herbal medicine. Mm. Uh, you know, why is it... Why are they attacking it, so to speak? Well, I don't know if we'd call it an attack. I think um, more of a questioning. I think that the questioning is taking place largely because uh, more and more people in Australia and indeed all around the Western world are accessing, utilising what we call complementary medicine, which embraces herbal medicine. And there is still a large percentage of people uh, in the academic world, in the professional medical and pharmaceutical world, who question this and are a little bit worried about it, thinking that the basis of this drift towards complementary medicine is unfounded, that there's no basis to it. Well, of course, for 40 years, I've been practising complementary medicine, majoring in herbal medicine, and if their criticisms uh, are correct that herbal medicine is ineffective, mm. I'd like to know what I've been doing for 40 Four years, years. Yes. Um, constantly uh, and practising <laughs> For so long, and what have you been doing? Mate? What have I been do- doing? <laughs> yeah. And we get, as you know, we get no government support. Mm. Um, we are a, a private uh, industry with our own associations, our own code of ethics, our own uh, registers. Mm. So the effectiveness of complementary medicine, and particularly herbal medicine, in my view, is well established now, and, and it's too late, in my opinion, mm. to uh, to cast aspersions on herbal medicine particularly, that it's ineffective. In, fa- in fact, it's very effective, and my career has not only been associated with proving the effectiveness of herbal medicine to address modern health problems, mm. but, of course, in educating uh, practitioners, medical, pharmaceutical, naturopathic practitioners. I've been educating them for many, many years of my life, even under the auspices of this university, in how to use... Um, herbal medicine professionally, understandably, and with a modern a scientific uh, interpretation. So I, I'm a little bit worried that late in the day, aspersions might be being cast on, on my profession. I tend to think it's too late, and I have no doubt, no doubt at all, that uh, in the future, uh, medical practitioners, some of whom may study medicine at, at this university, will be offered at least an elective in complementary medicine. Many medical practitioners already, even in, uh, in this state or some in this town, utilise herbal medicine in their own practices. So it's difficult to see uh, modern uh, medical practitioners uh, using herbal medicine uh, unless they have confidence in it, mm. understand it, and are prepared to defend their use of it. I know, for instance, um, gastroenterologists occasionally will recommend the herb slippery elm for managing various gut conditions. And this is done not just on uh, a women fancy, it's done as a result of understanding mm. that the basis for prescribing and using herbal medicine is very sound. Uh, the, the empirical basis, that is the historical basis for using them is there. Herbal medicine is the oldest system of medicine known to mankind, but also uh, modern herbal medicine is well documented with literature that is credible, medically based, uh, scientifically based, uh, chemically based, and a good indication of that would be the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, mm. which is the Bible of modern herbal medicine. Um, the use of herbs today 
is credible and beyond doubt effective, and it be, it ill behoves anyone to um, to cast aspersions, carte blanche, on herbal medicine, suggesting that's ineffective. I suggest that's pretty well an outdated approach. Mm. That history flies in the face of it, and the acceptance of complementary medicine, particularly professional herbal medicine today attest to the effect uh, to the to the fact that it is effective yeah well you've given us uh, 40 years of it so far it's a long time it's a long time it might be coming to an end <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so my friend well you've given us you've given us the examples you know and, mm, and we see mm. it every day in practice of yes. how just yourself mm. you know this does work Look, there's no doubt about it. I could say, as a quick uh, response to people who say that, oh, complementary medicine is ineffective, I would say people are voting with their feet. Mm. People do not use these things unless they get results. Mm. Uh, Complementary medicine is not cheap. Uh, We get no support from government. Our medications generally receive um, no support on on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme. So everything we do is not supported by government, and yet people vote with their feet, access these things Mm. from both professional practitioners, from pharmacies and from health food stores. So that in itself is a classic uh, support basis for saying Australians aren't fools. Mm. When they're using these things and purchasing these things and, and depending on these things, they must be doing so because their investment in them is worthwhile. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, well said. Today, Denison, well, on Monday, sorry, uh, on a particular TV program, mm. uh, a bit of a, a bit of a questioning of herbal medicine. Uh, we, we're talking about that this afternoon amongst mm. uh, people's calls on 49216216. You've given us examples. You've been practising it for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense, does it? Well, I think uh, I watched that program, and I know the program you're referring to, and a lot of it I entirely agreed with. I think my general statement would be this, that Australians take too many things. Mm. They take, in my opinion, too many pharmaceuticals, Mm. particularly over-the-counter pharmaceuticals, and they may well indeed take too many over-the-counter complementary medicines. And I took that as being the the thrust of the program. That doesn't negate the benefit of over-the-counter pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter complementary medicines. I took it in in, in that way uh, rather than an attack per se Mm. on on the existence of complementary medicine. As I said earlier in the segment, what's known as complementary medicine, which embraces herbal medicine, nutrition, um, and all those other things, it's too late in the day Mm. to think that uh, they're going to be marginalised or unaccepted or wiped out. It's too late in the day. Um, the, the, The rate at which... Uh, people have accessed these things has surprised everyone. In fact, it was the American uh, herbal writer and author Stephen Foster who many years ago used the term the herbal renaissance and he spoke about the um, phenomenon that occurred uh, beginning in the 70s mm. with the counterculture, admittedly, where, there's a, where there was a remarkable uh, acceleration of interest in traditional medicines and particularly herbal medicine and that led uh, to the flourishing of herbal medicine throughout the western world and including Australia where Australia by the way is one of the leading nations using western Mm. herbal medicine and leading in my opinion leading the world in the high quality production particularly of herbal medicine. 
Yeah. All right, let's head to the phones. Uh, David, you're from Windale, and uh, you've got a question regarding blood thinners and bruising. Yes, please, yes. Hello, how are you? Uh, good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? And what did you now, Dennis, I um, had heart failure last year, which I've sort of got over, yes. but I'm still on medication. Yes. But, you know, I've spoken to my general GP. Yes. Uh, now, I, I bruise very easily, yes. and also, if I bump myself, I start bleeding. He yes. explained to me that my... I'm only 65. Yes. But he said, oh, as you get older, you thin get skinner. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's constant... My, both my hands are sort of really black. Okay. Is this, uh, is this only since you've been using the, the, uh, the blood thinners, so to speak? No, Dennis. I've been on blood okay. pressure tablets all my life. Okay. But blood but, thinners? Yes, yes. Okay. Yep. So this, the, uh, the bruising that you're experiencing now is just... Uh, it's been there for a very long period of time. Yes, it has, Dennis. And also, when I bump myself, yes. like I do a bit of gardening, yes. Yes. I bump myself on the branch, yes. start bleeding. You know, just... A couple of things I'd suggest here, and you should indeed mention them to your, your GP. Um, if you were to look at the literature, you would find that a group of substances known as bioflavonoids um, contain uh, the ability to lessen what's called capillary fragility. Now, capillary capillary fragility uh, would be a good way of uh, perhaps explaining what's what's happening uh, to your skin. The small blood vessels uh, have become a little bit fragile, and a bump uh, can precipitate a bleed or superficial bruising. One of the bioflavonoids is called rutin, R-U-T-I-N. It's well known. It's available both in... uh, health food store products and also in pharmacy products. It's very well known scientifically that it's a remedy that has multiple benefits but very useful in addressing this bruising phenomenon. Even the substance buckwheat has a a reputation when used medically over a period of time of helping to address this problem because it is a natural source of rutin. So my uh, initial suggestion would be that run it past your GP, I'm sure there would be no interactions there, but he would be the best to make the assessment, that either using buckwheat from your health food store on, right. ongoingly as a daily medication in the same way that some people might use, say, metamucil for their gut, buckwheat taken as a food daily can also be useful in giving a good dose of rutin or, or get a bioflavonoidal preparation where rutin has been isolated from its normal form and put into a convenient pharmaceutical form. That would be what I would suggest. The other thing, of course, is that um, with bruising, um, topical applications, and when I say topical applications, these are applications that are applied to the skin, the topical application of the, of the herb arnica right, is yeah. very, very useful for helping mm-hmm. resolve bruising, but arnica should never be applied to an open wound or to a bleeding surface. It's useful in addressing uh, bruises and contusions so long as the skin has not been broken. So there are two little ways of, of uh, looking at the problem, the bioflavonoid rutin and the topical application, say, of arnica, might be yep. useful. Now, if I come into your, your uh, surgery at uh, Lampton, mm-hmm. um, would you sort of... Someone would advise me, I won't go to my normal chemist, I'll come to you... Because this is ongoing, it's a little bit 
Because I wear short sleeve shirts yes, and yes. my hands are all bruised. Yes. And it does get a little bit embarrassing. And then yes. if I jump, if my dog jumps at me and he hits me with his nails, bang, I start bleeding. And you're in trouble again. Mm. Well, look, yeah. certainly <clears throat> one can make no promises, but if I was in that situation based on what I know about uh, the bioflavonoid roots, and I'd be prepared to give it a go. But again, again, uh, you owe it to your GP to let him know that you've had a discussion and right. that you would like to utilise uh, this bioflavonoidal approach. Uh, would he be prepared to monitor it? All right, thanks so much for your call, David. Glenn from uh, Belmont, you've got a few neck issues, mate. Yeah, good afternoon. Hello, Glenn. Yeah, hi, Dennis. Uh, mate, I've just got a question regarding... Uh, I've got, a, I suppose you could say, a chronic neck problem. Yes. I'm 55 next month, and yes. I keep fairly active, have a surf and that. But every time I say I have a surf and come in, I've got this neck pain. I've yes. had an x-ray, and um, the reason I'm ringing is uh, one guy up the beach said he had some success because he had bone spurs or yes. something uh, yes. in that area, yes, yes. and he went to Visionary Health at yes. uh, Hamilton. Yes. I'm just wondering, is there any herbal substance you can take to sort of alleviate these spurs? Or? Okay. Um, I've always addressed uh, spurs using a Blackmore's uh, celloid or mineral, mineral approach. Now, let me just explain what I mean by that. Uh, Blackmore's, this wonderful Australian company, was founded by a Morris Blackmore, who's passed on, of course, and he uh, developed a therapy based on the use of minerals. And those minerals became known as celloids, C-E-L-L-O-I-D-S. And I prescribe yeah. them frequently in my practice. Now, when we look at um, spurs, in the Blackmore's prescriber, the literature that I use, spurs are addressable by two minerals or two celloids. Both of those celloids are as follows. One of them is called silica, but it is a particular form of silica. It is what Blackmores would refer to as the celloid form, and it has the code S79. Yeah. And I say that because um, these are products that uh, practitioners prescribe, and they have a coding that makes it easy to look at them in the, in the repertory. Silica in that form, in conjunction with an accompanying mineral known as sodium phosphate, which is yeah. abbreviated as SP96, I have seen yeah. in, in my many years some remarkable, and I mean remarkable, uh, resolution of spurs. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I, have, I have said it on my programs for years, some of the greatest clinic, uh, skeptics of my system of medicine have been, yeah. con have been converted to it by virtue of seeing spurs progressively, in most cases, not in all, but in many and most cases, resolve as a result of taking those two minerals over a lengthy period of time. SP96, S79, they would be available um, from my rooms at, at New Lambton. They need to be yep. work, worked with for a period of time. But in the interlude, yep. in the interlude, what I'd also suggest you do is to give you some relief when you get out of the water and shower, use that topical application known as stiff, sore and sorry. Yep, yep. That's a beauty. I've tried that. Uh, it gives some relief, yes. Dennis. But uh, while we're on the topic, I've yes. also got... Um, uh, in the heel, something called planticus. Yes, plantar fasciitis. Oh. Plantar, plantar fasciitis. 
Yeah, yeah, that's well, got to do with spurs too, hasn't it? Yes, well, I, this is where I mainly uh, use those remedies in addressing so that particular... I've got the heel and the neck going on, mate. So, um, you're in a, you're in a yeah, bit of trouble there. Mate, if, if, if we clear that up, I'll get you to come on the program. But look, the good... Hey, listen, while we're on the topic of doctors and stuff, like, I've been to my GP about it, and his recommendation would have been take Panadol Osteo, mm-hmm. which, to my way of thinking, I don't want to do that, you know, mm-hmm. So, uh, well, you know, it is important work what you're doing, mate. Yeah, well, that, that's great. Panadol osteo is, is a good uh, pain relief medication, so your GP is right. But I take, yeah. I take uh, the other view that it's worthwhile giving a shot at trying to yeah. addre- address it differently. I make no guarantees, but there would be people in this town that could vouch for the benefit of that treatment in removing their spurs. Now, as we go to Curry Curry, and June, you've got a question for Dennis. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Um, I get a lot of information through the mail yes. um, telling me that if I buy this and yes. I buy that, yes. I'll have wonderful health yes. in a very short time. Yes. Now, that's nonsense. I, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. But one of them is Alanra. What's that? It's Alanra. I don't, um, I'm not familiar with that. No. Um, how, how, do you, how do you spell that? E-L-A-N-R-A. Okay. And apparently you switch it on while you're asleep and it makes you breathe better. It does all this for you. Um, it's it's over $1,000 to purchase. Well, look, to, to, to be fair, uh, ma- marketing of health products these days, both conventional and complementary, uh, is multifaceted. So whilst I'm always a little bit sceptical about yeah. Uh, material coming through the mail. To be yeah. fair, to be fair, one can't write off the the benefit of things simply because the information comes through the mail. Um, right. um, so, with reference to that product, what I would be be doing is reading the information. I'd go and have a word again with your GP. Okay. Um, if you're going to spend a thousand dollars, you need to be confident that it is relative to your condition and that um, it really does help. Now, as I say, I don't know anything about the product. It is probably an ethical product in as much that if it is used for a health purpose, I would think that it would have had to have been um, listed by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Now, I can't say yay or nay to that, but uh, products in this country that purport to give a therapeutic benefit um, have to be listed with the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Um, so a couple of things. It, it could be a very, very good product, and I don't want in any way at all my comments to be seen as negating it, but in as much that you're going to contemplate spending $1,000, um, I would suggest you do what I've said. Have a yeah. yarn with your GP, um, see whether the product is, is, is listed. Um, in other words, familiarise yourself with it, Right. And don't just go and spend a thousand no. dollars just like that. It's too hard to get. What about um, Ocean D three tablets? What are they? Ocean D three. I've never Apparently. heard of them. No, see, um, that's something else I've had, and also um, a product called Meristem, which comes in a bottle. And um, when they wrote to me about Meristem, this is the three different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, the Meristem, they said that they had a bottle put aside specially for me. Oh, for you. Huh? Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> and um, I thought, oh, that's wonderful. But I've never heard of it. But it told me that, you know, 
Well, look, you, I think... I, I mean, think, I'm 75. I'm not a youngster. Well, you, uh, you and I are the same age, so there we oh, go. Oh, right. But look, what I, what I would say is you and I, by this, at this stage of our life, hopefully have got a little bit of wisdom and common sense. Yes, so well, I you, certainly you, hope so. You know, you know where I'm coming from. In other words, I tend to share your general scepticism about, right. about claims that are made for things. Um, a healthy scepticism is survivalism. But having said that, except the fact that marketing and the sale of products of anything these days will involve techniques such as uh, marketing like putting stuff in your letterbox, television, etc. Mm-hmm. But any, any health claim, in my opinion, has to be uh, validated. And a good way of validating it is to talk with your GP, talk to your right. pharmacist, talk to your natural therapist and see whether or not also the product has been listed with the Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration. Good on you, June. Thanks so much for the call as we go to Margaret in Wickham. Good afternoon to you, Margaret. Good afternoon. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well indeed. Uh, Dennis, what do you know about CLO tests? CLO? Yes. Well, what does it stand for? Okay. Well, that's that's a good question. What I'll uh, let you know is that I had a colonoscopy. Yes. Which was fine. Yes. But... The biopsy was taken. As a result, um, a CLO test came back oh, yes, that's, positive. It's a, yes, it, it's, it's a test for yes. a particular organism. Yeah, um, and it's mm. been um, suggested an eradication therapy of Nexium HP7. Yes. And I just wondered whether there, whether you know an alternative to well, that. Look, to, to, to be fair, um, Nexium is standard, very safe medical treatment. Is that? Uh-huh. I, um, um, I would have no problem at all in uh, persons utilising that, particularly um, uh, with the advice and, and management of their medical practitioner. If that is the treatment for that condition, yeah. I would accept it. Oh, OK. So go, go ahead. I just wondered if there no, was another no, alternative. But if I, you suggest that... I would indeed. Well, that's if, fine. If, if uh-huh. that is the treatment, the medical treatment for it, Yes. Uh, you you uh, stunned me for a moment. I just couldn't put together the abbreviation, but of course. No. Uh, but no, I would run with the medical approach. I don't think that you have any other options. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for it's that. It's a pleasure. pleasure. Okay. Peter from Fassie Fern, you've got a question regarding gallstones. Oh, yes. Uh, good day, Venus. How are you? I'm well, Peter. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, um, oh, September last year, I had a bit of a funny turn and... Uh, all things happened to GP, and we eventually got round and having some scans on the stomach area. Yes. And uh, which and, and a more uh, a second one on the pancreas area. Yes. And it appears that I have a gallstone of 1.7 centimetres, so yes. it's not a small one. Yes. Uh, and uh, they couldn't get to the bile duct when they did a ultra scan to okay. see if there was anything in there because yes. the stone was shadowing it, apparently. Okay, okay. Now, I've, I've spoken to my uh, surgeon fellow who's done other stuff for me. Yes. And uh, I'm 78 years of age. Yes. And he said, well, the bile duct coming out is not a problem. Not the bile duct, the uh, gallbladder coming out is not a problem. Yes. But um, then they would be able to see that's done with a laparoscopy uh, type operation, I think. Yes. And uh, he said, if they do find when they go and they take some pictures and they find that there are stones in the bile duct yes. that they have to do a more uh, open type surgery. Yes. Now, I don't, haven't had an ounce of pain or anything yes. with it. Yes. Uh, but I, the only thing that's indicated is I get well, a bit of a rumbly tummy every now and then. 
And uh, what's the situation I'm in now? He said, well, well, he couldn't see the worth of opening it up and doing anything because I'm not really yes. suffering from it. Yes. Uh, my question is, oh, we're waiting for four months now and have another ultra scan. Yes. Uh, chug along. Is there anything that may help that system down there that I could take? Or Well, fortunately no. these days, as, as you've said, the management of, of gallstones in my opinion, has come a million miles in the generation in as much that laparoscopic surgery is, uh, has revolutionised the, the procedure. And it's a very safe procedure. My wife, in fact, has had the procedure. Um, it's interesting. I also know a colleague who is, is in fact, older than us, and um, she'd be well in her 80s, and she was diagnosed many years ago with a single large gallstone which to this day uh, remains there, and <laughs> she she has not had any subsequent um, major episodes. Um, so my response to this situation, and, and I'm not a gastroenterologist or a GP, but at this stage of our lives, um, I think sometimes leaving sleeping dogs alone or lie is not a bad <laughs> not a bad principle. Or albeit there's a couple of uh, things. Um, Herbalists for generations have recommended uh, a regular use, believe it or not, of two simple things, and that is lemon juice and olive oil. Now, I know that sounds rather rather funny, but uh, it is funny. But uh, the idea of that is is to um, lessen the viscosity of the bile, yeah, fair to, enough, yeah. to promote its freer flow, mm -hmm. and to lessen the likelihood of inflammatory activity occurring. So mm. the old herbalists um, uh, swore by that technique. In fact, there was an English herbalist uh, called Frank Roberts. He was a fascinating guy, an Englishman, practised in the south of England. He was an eccentric like most herbalists are, including myself. Um, but he swore by the olive oil and lemon juice treatment. Um, now, I think he went over the top, but what he was trying to say was that there are two foods... There are two foods that might be useful in maintaining the healthy state of the gallbladder and maintaining an even free flow of bile. Not a bad principle, in my opinion. Mm, mm. Well, I, I like the idea of not doing anything at this stage. Yeah. The only thing is every now and then I, I have what I call a spongy day. Yes. I, I feel like I, I couldn't be bothered wanting to do much and uh, yeah. bits and pieces. And that, that's the days that tummy may rumble a bit. But I... Strangely enough, take a quick chewy, yeah. and uh, things change. Well, the the other thing to, to realise also is that uh, another very simple herb, one that's not used enough medically, is the herb peppermint. Now, okay. peppermint in in European medicine, and I emphasise European medicine, not naturopathic medicine, but mainstream medicine. Uh, peppermint products are used uh, to address what might be referred to as a grumbling gallbladder. And they, uh, uh, peppermint has both a spasmolytic and a sedative effect on, on the gallbladder, and, and particularly any spasm or contraction coming from it. And also it is an anti-nauseant, so it tends to lessen uh, any sort of sickliness or nausea or any bilious-type symptoms that might come from it. So what I'd suggest you do, particularly on those days when you're feeling... Hmm, you know, you could be better, uh, is think about using a bit of peppermint tea. Mm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, 
in, in um, European herbal medicine, the herb dandelion um, taken regularly as, as a beverage, and you can get from your supermarket, you can get uh, Symington's dandelion tea, I think they call it these days. It used to be called dandelion coffee, but Symington's dandelion tea, a very pleasant drink. Uh, dandelion, is, dandelion is renowned for its supportive benefits in on liver function and gallbladder function. So there's a couple of little things. Start to oh, use a little bit, of olive, um, little bit of lemon juice when you get up in the morning. It's a good principle. I recommend it to many of my patients. Squeeze a lemon, add a, an equal amount of uh, warm water with it. Good way to start the day. And across the day, accelerate your use of olive oil. A little bit of peppermint tea if you're feeling a bit off. And rather than use uh, straight coffee all the time, a couple of cups of... Uh, dandelion coffee across the day oh that sounds wonderful, wonderful. And, it, and it's cheap and there'll be no, no offense there to your good surgeon or to your gp because these things are foods but you mm. google up and read up on what i've said and you'll find that there's pretty well universal agreement uh, on the stuff that i've mentioned Oh, well, that's wonderful, Dennis. Good on you, Peter. Have a good weekend, mate. Four nine two one six two one six. Now, if you have got a question, we've got a, a couple of minutes remaining. Four nine two one six two one six. Now, don't forget, uh, you've got two practices, Dennis. Mm. You practice at two spots: thirty nine Armour Road, New Landon, mm. and also at Cumberland Street, Cessnock. Yes, uh, Cumberland Street, Cessnock. I've been there for a, quite a few years now with my associate Sally Bowen. The practice there is known as Bowen's Natural Therapy Centre. It's in Cumberland Street, just up from Goldman's and. Sully Bowen is a remarkable uh, identity in, in Cessnock, very highly qualified person in uh, therapeutic massage, uh, in the Bowen technique, and Sally uh, studied uh, herbal medicine with me and graduated through my school quite a number of years ago. And when I finally retire and, uh, and stop practicing, I'm sure mm-hmm. Sally will keep uh, practicing in Cessnock and take over from me. But I've said on this program before, and I'll say it again, Cessnock people are blessed to be to have a practice uh, run by a woman like Sally Bowen called Bowen's Natural Therapy Centre in Goldman Street. Provides a whole range of health services, osteopathy, nutrition. We've got a, a great, uh, a lovely lady there, Cassandra, who's the nutritionist. Uh, so for people in the district, um, take note of it. I'm there um, every, or, I'm sorry, every second Tuesday of the month. You get around, don't you, my friend? I, look, I used to get around a lot more, but um, I'm not wanting to get around as much these days. I'm quite happy these days to, to sit and meditate, write books. I'm working on my book. and um, So yeah. it's going, coming along very well. It is indeed. I have a colleague of mine in, um, in the Atherton who used to coordinate all my Melbourne seminars for me, and he has edited the text and is putting pressure on me to go through it and do the final correction, so right. I'm working on that. Now, I'll give you a little bit more pressure. Yes, yes. Uh, when's the due date? What's when that for? For the book. Oh, dear, When, dear, when dear, am dear, I going to get dear, the Dennis oh, Stewart dear, dear, to Colin Parnell's sign well, book? Well, I, I, have, I have said to him that it will be finished certainly in second semester. See, I still talk in academic terms, but second semester should see the text ready, and you'll be one of the first to get a copy, seeing as such a good guy. Well, thank you very much. Good on you. Have a nice weekend. You'll be back next week to do it all all over again. Don't forget you can catch this program on a podcast at 2NURFM.com. Ran out of breath there. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.